Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV Podcast 472's After, After Show. After Bro. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we didn't nail that, but close enough. Close enough. Welcome Nate. in, everyone. This is the after show. Yeah, go ahead, Johnny. There's a really good question on the board that I want to get to, Nate. So, Uh-oh. There is a special USDGC skins match happening this week or this year with, like, Climo, Schultz, Schustrick. A lot of the classic players is... I know you're not coming out of retirement. You're very happy doing what you're doing. And we're, you know... Would you contemplate doing, like, a X? exhibition nine for something like that at USDGC? Uh, absolutely. I, I, I will say this. I, I am definitely happy with what I'm doing currently. I, I love my job. I love, you know, being home here in Bend. And I honestly, I love doing the commentary. I, <laughs> I really do. Um, I know some people don't like that. I do, but I do. And sorry for those people. Cause <laughs> I'm not going to stop anytime soon unless they fire me. So um, that being said, there are a few events that I have been thinking about lately actually coming back and playing. Um, and I'm not announcing anything, and I'm not saying this will actually Smash happen. Smashbox exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the USDGC is one of them. I, I have thought about it before I get too old. I'm currently 38, and I'm not playing this year's. But, you know, I'll be 39 next year. And as a previous champion, if I can get a, a spot in the tournament, I would. I think I would maybe try that. But it all depends on where I'm at in my life. You know, it's just mm-hmm. kind of like what I'm doing. Um, I stepped away from disc golf not because I wasn't in love with it anymore, but because I felt like I had something to give to other things in my life. Um, and I, I, it's funny now that. Val and I have had a child. I think about Getting everybody's away. like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, Everybody's like, oh, my God, you know, this kid's going to be a great disc golfer. And I'm like, is this kid even going to know about disc golf? Like, mm-hmm. I don't play that often. Mm-hmm. So it started to get me thinking about at least playing a little bit more, even casually around town a little bit more. And, yes, you know, actually um, – I was invited to do the GK skins world champion version out at smugs, but of course we weren't there. And, uh, and I think 
they had a great group. I think mm-hmm. Avery and Conrad, Barsby, and who was the last one? Uh, I didn't see it. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, and if I was to be in Rock Hill and be a part of that, I would I would absolutely do it. I think I'm definitely ready for that in my life. Am I going to come back and be a great champion? Um, probably not. But <laughs> if I can go out and hold my own, shoot a couple of good rounds – and uh, and get to just get that feeling again. I, I think that would that would feel nice. Yeah. Would you would, would be, you want to be? I on think coverage? about how satisfying and. <laughs> you know that's a great that's another <laughs> great question because. And I, do I get to call it? <laughs> yeah, because we'd have Terry yeah, in program I, okay. in your ear while you're playing. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I could be on air with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, what tried. I'm not. I'm not immune to thinking about that. It's not like I would just say no. I'm just doing this for me. I think that if I did come back at say the right event, I think there would be a conversation to say, "Well, oh, Nate's playing. He hasn't played in so long. Would we want to have him be covered?" I, I personally wouldn't care. I started being followed around with a camera back when I was 20 years old. When I won the Worlds, my life was forever changed. And while I know it seems like small potatoes because it was only 5000 bucks, but at the end of the day, I was a world champion, and my life was forever changed. I had cameras and people and guys like this guy <laughs> over here, Johnny V. I, you were carrying cameras out there too. Um, so if that were to happen, I would gladly do it. My only goal in this sport, I don't have any personal goals anymore. My only goal is to grow the game. That's it. That's why I do commentary. That's why I am in communication with some of the players out there, telling them how proud I am of them, how happy I am to see them succeed. It's about growing the sport, man. I I, I, I had a dream all those years ago to leave the game better than I found it. And I'm still working on that. So if me being on coverage was something that the media wanted, I would gladly do it. If they didn't, I would gladly be okay with that as well, because you could go and cover better players, Yeah, you know, are the best players in the world. So am, I'm open for all of it. Will it ever happen? Probably not, but you never you're know. You're saying there's a chance. You never you're know. Saying there's a chance. Yeah. All right. With that, your your next love. Let's let's well, talk that, about this. This is your love. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. Uh, full disclosure here in this case. Uh, there yesterday, uh, I I had parted ways with these guys uh, and went and did a few things on my own. And uh, there's a place, and I I've, I don't know how much I posted about them, but it's called That Guy's Bistro. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to that guy's bistro. Oh, well, makes phenomenal Philly cheesesteaks and very tri-tip steaks, uh, cheesesteaks and sandwiches. Sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Usually they're ra- they're in a, like a pita. They do like a pita bread or, or a wrap of sorts. Phenomenal. And I've now made it my point that every time I'm in Bend, I'm going to go there just once uh, during my visits, and I really enjoy going there. Next door to there, they had a a, a beverage beer store. And uh, so I went to look around for some stuff. As many of you know, I'm all about the uh, double barrel aged Imperial stouts often. Um, And this one just was a, is a pastry stout with coconut and almonds. uh, And it's called sugar high. 
Um, so just I have so no you idea. should love it, and it's I, made by Ten Barrel. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's made by Ten Barrel, which yep. is right here in Bend. And surprisingly, I've not had this ever. This is eleven percent. Uh, yeah, eleven percent. Ten Barrel was started here in Bend. Was one of the breweries that was purchased by Anheuser Busch several years ago. Mm. They were an Anheuser Busch owned craft brewery for a long time, and just recently they were sold. Uh, Ten Barrel uh, Anheuser Busch oh, actually really? sold Ten Barrel to uh, another company, um, of which I believe is in like the cannabis. World. Realm, sure. Yeah, and they've been buying up some different brands, so cheers to All right, cheers. Here we go, folks. Cheers to you, Johnny. Thank you, buddy, as always. Bevel's out. Yeah, bevel out, sure. So seeing as that just we have... Just to kind of button up... Yeah, go ahead, Nate. Oh, I that's... just want to... I want to button up that whole conversation that, uh, that I just had with all of you out there. <laughs> um, I would not be doing any of that stuff for anybody but me. I... I, I it would just be for me personally to go and just get that feeling one more time. Mm. I was so lucky in my life and you guys know it from, from I, I turned pro in 1999 and I never looked back and I had, mm-hmm. I had some of the greatest moments in my life. I had some of the biggest heartbreak in my life and for a time in my career, I felt like I was doing it for the fans and for the sponsors and for the sport. But at the end of the day, if I were to go back and play the USCGC or even another event, it would just be for me to get that feeling again, and and you know, that that's okay. Yeah, and uh, I, there's a lot of fans. I, I would love. I think it would be. And again, I know you just said you're gonna you would do it for yourself and for your own reasons. It would also be awesome, though, and I, this can be said of a number of our players that are the sports best that are that were just prior to the big blow up that we've had in present day, you know, media and history. So yourself, Beer's you okay. know, your, your climos and those types yeah. before the, the spotlight was as big and wide and bright as it is now, you guys were just ahead of that uh, largely. So for that reason, it would be awesome to, to know that you could quote unquote, come off the couch to use a term. <laughs> you could come off the couch and be, of our listeners right now is pretty awesome. And I would love for that to happen just for that. And that's, that, that becomes ego driven, you know, to some degree, uh, in some ways you could look at it that way. But for me, I think it would be really cool because I think there's so many people that clearly never watched you throw a disc or watch you perform or watch you take down, you know, how many majors? Four, I was going to say five. So four majors, three being worlds and then a European open maybe. Players uh, Cup. Never got the European Open. Did take. Oh yeah. Uh, I won a Players Cup, but that was when it was a match play event. Okay. Oh, it wasn't a major. Um, you didn't win Japan ever. No, I never won Japan. I. What Skin did you win? I had nope. Took second there. Shalefia. I I have taken oh, Australia second place in a lot of events. Uh, no, I've won three worlds and one USDGC. USDGC. Oh, yeah. Duh. Yeah, I knew that. I don't know. I, I knew that. That's how I would be getting into the 2008. Uh, 2008. Yeah, see, I knew that. <laughs> uh, Terry's got okay. the second place yeah, trophy. So, 
<laughs> Not yet. Um, so, yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, pretty crazy, crazy to see where it's at. Uh, for all those asking, uh, this is very smooth and rich and it's, delicious. It's, it's the, pretty sweet. I hate the coconut. coconut. Yeah. I hate I, coconut I, I and it's overpowering. You, I, I was surprised you bought it. I like, I really I, It's okay. Hate it's, coconut. it's a pastry stout, so it's quite sweet. Normally, I can't even taste coconut, even though they say it's in there. This one is like comes through very much coming yeah. through. I have a question for Terry and then a question oh. for Nate. Terry, I'm going to put you on the spot. Based on what you just said, with a uh, put together a foursome of players, we'll just say MPO, who missed the spotlight that you would like to see. That missed the spotlight. That missed our I'm current generation. Them, I'm broadcasting them. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna live we're, for a day. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do similar to our uh, the the Blue Valley Challenge back in the day. <laughs> we're gonna do just an ex- yeah. an expo of people who didn't you know pre we'll say pre COVID boom players or pre pre pro I don't say pre pro tour because Nate falls into the pro tour era as he won one GMC. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, you, I mean, where are we splitting hairs? Because, like, someone like, uh, uh, clearly a Barry Schultz, when Barry Schultz isn't injured, he's still out playing at a mm-hmm. high level, but he's not going to a ton of the big events anymore. But I, the, the classics of our era, even just a little bit bef- before Nate, as Nate then came in, the classics of Johnny V and I's era, at the time that was dominating uh, Ken Climo in the 90s when we found the game, it was Climo, uh, Russell, Stokely, then ultimately Schultz as well. Like those were those were the biggest names uh, there. And then then you had a, a Mike Randolph who was of course competitive, but not didn't show up you know week in and week out, uh, just going to events. Uh, and then you have to think of Steve Rico, uh, who's clearly been around forever, has 150 or so wins, uh, and has been playing forever. And then and then there was like the slightly newer era of. You know, Doss and and Avery Jenkins, Dave Felberg, and those types. So, Cam Todd. Cam Todd was somewhere, yeah, kind of kind of meshed over those two different era, those two different uh, sets. But I mean, personally, because of my history and because of where we grew up and who we know, to to you have to think Climo and Schultz are mm-hmm. are givens there. Um. And then I've developed such a friendship, and and he very much has missed the spotlight in that sense. Uh, would be a Steve Rico, obviously Nate, as he just said, could could or should be in that conversation. That's your foursome. I mean, you were you were here later and longer, though. You know, even more so. I than those guys. If you're talking about guys that just missed out, I look at I look at Rico, Brinster. Jenkins, Felberg. Yeah, exactly. that's my foursome. Yeah, I am younger than they are, and I stayed. I never really left the game because I jumped right into this weird commentary thing. Mm-hmm. But those are the four for me that were the miss the boom because of their age, yes. not because of their skills degrading or whatever. And some of them are still playing even at sure. a high level. Yep, but um. Those that's my foursome for for, I mean Dave Felberg is a ten time major champion. Mm-hmm. Avery Jenkins is a world champion, and just 
overall was was a superstar in our game for a long time. Mm-hmm. Rico won the very first national tour and won a lot of other national tours, by the way. He just missed out on yeah. a lot of the big majors. He won in Japan as yep. well. And then Brinster's a USDGC champion. And for a long time, Brinster dominated in his region. And when he would come out to the tour... He always played he well. Threat. He always played well. He played well at Maple Hill. He played well at the USDGC mm-hmm. year after year after year. Those are my four that recently missed the boom. If if you want to start having a bigger conversation about all the other people that deserve so much more than they got, yeah, we could go. Yeah, that's a, a whole nother pool. That's a whole different question because as then someone swirling, yeah. yeah, swirling around is like a Matty O. You know, as he's kind of. He's kind of blended a few of these decades and eras, and a Greg Barsby's <laughs> blended them, and a Double G disappeared for just a couple of years, but then ultimately has blended and kind of transcended throughout the late 90s into today as well. So uh, a couple other of those names. Yeah, it's, but it's those wild. Guys, said, those guys didn't miss the boom. No, correct. See, they took advantage it. of the boom. It was just on their later Because they committed their... to it, right? Barsby wins world right before the boom. Garrett's won several events here, and now mm-hmm. Matteo just wins a massive paycheck on the biggest stage. So I know yeah, I feel I like someone brought up guys, a good name, like Schustrick just barely missed the boom due to injury. Like he, like he, he yeah. was he was yeah, up and in, sure. into our sport. He was through, forced to retire. Yeah, like up up through 2018, he was maybe even tw- was it 2017? I forget when he stopped kind of being competitive, but he's still obviously active in the sport, just like Emac, but. Just kind of missed the the players' boom, and not due to his age, just due to that injury, because he could be Matty O right now for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and then as someone said on the board, look at a McRae who's also managed. You know, he's had some uh, health concerns over the last two years specifically, but how he's been right there. He's you know been on lead cards, been there as a as mm-hmm. a fierce competitor for many, many years. And he's doing it while he's significantly older <laughs> than so many of these other guys. It's I mean and I mean that as nothing but a compliment. It's just insane what he's accomplished at, you know, what he was doing at his age. So. And as I mean, I love Johnny McCray and I've known him for a very long time. Johnny never won the big one. Correct. Right? He would yeah. never be mm-hmm. in that category. Schustrick is a great argument. Certainly his body failed him. But he's been a part of the boom in the sense that he is a part of Prodigy. Mm-hmm. He he is continuing to work for them, whether he's putting in courses or developing new discs mm-hmm. or whatever he's doing over there. Um, he's still a part of it as well. He's just not on the course. So I think there's a lot of ways to take it, not advantage, but be a part of sure. what is happening yeah, right now. Certainly. You, know, you think about like even a Brian Earhart. I mean, think of what Brian's been able to do. Mm-hmm. And be a part of the sport in such a different way, and he's he's done a great job at it. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting over the yeah, next few yeah. years to see the players that transition into permanent media and what what that's going to look like. Yes. So my my question sure. for Nate has nothing to do with disc golf. It has to do with something I know <laughs> zero about, which is a lot. But beer. Mm. What is like the most recent beer trends? Like what are like right now? What is everybody talking about in beer? Because I know Terry, there, there's a ton of stuff I've never heard of. Even the the stouts that Terry was saying, not only the 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 manufacturers I have no clue about because I don't drink that. I don't drink beer. Um, but like, what's the what's the next hot thing? Like, what is what are you looking at? Going like, oh, I'd love to try that. 
Dude, it's fresh hop season, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> around here right now, we, we, we are in the midst of fresh hop season, which is always a fun time in the Pacific Northwest. And if you're from the Pacific Northwest, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're from, like, Florida, there's not a lot of fresh hops down there, although they've been cryogenically freezing the hops and mm. shipping them. So okay. we might see a little bit more. But if we just look in the broader sense of craft beer um ipas are still king they're still at the top of the of the board of which (laughs) terry doesn't like but they are they are most breweries bestseller Mm -hmm. trend wise we are seeing a big resurgence in light lagers so um you know the big boys have been making these for generations Mm -hmm. right so Budweiser, Coors, Miller Brewing Company, uh, Rainier, Pabst Blue Ribbon. These types of beers, these light lagers, very light and crisp, low in alcohol. Um, Those are making a big surge right now. There's always the draw for the extreme. So really high alcohol beers, kind of like what Terry goes after. Um, (laughs) Barrel-aged Imperial Stouts, um, barrel-aged you know, strong ales, scotch ales, things of that nature. Those are always in demand because um, they're just unique. And it's always like, well, is it an Elijah Craig barrel or is it a Pappy Van Winkle barrel? Things that people get excited about the barrel. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those are always in demand. But, and this sounds weird, and I don't want to really get into it too much, but non-alcoholic beer has made a little bump into beer, into yeah. alcoholic beer. It's a, um, it's, so, yeah, it's a very trendy thing, uh, the, the N.A. beers. Like, um, I was, I, we were talking right before the show how on Saturday night I went down to Chicago for a concert. I was sitting in the bar next to the, next to the concert hall waiting for doors to open, and I got myself just a rum and Coke, and there were uh, – Two women and a gentleman next to me uh, looked like just a hair younger than me. Not too, like, not millennial, not, like, just maybe in their upper 30s. And the two women stood up and they both were like, we're going to see if they have any non-alcoholic beer here. And I was just kind of like, huh, hmm. like, that's interesting. I wonder if that's a, a bigger trend because I've heard about younger people going non-alcoholic. Just, but someone that didn't look like they were of uh of a trendy age but then again I'm, i was in Chica- i was literally in chicago right. two blocks from wrigley field so i mean it's a pretty hip and trendy area so that's what made me think about like what right. is what are the trends in beer right now how and, how popular are uh you know cbd beers and things of that nature how much is that you know especially out here in like the pacific northwest uh, is that is that a full blown separate category that is actively being pursued, or do people just continue to dip their toes in it? Yeah, CBD is, you know, it's non-psychoactive, so it doesn't necessarily affect your, although alcohol does, mm. and we should be very <laughs> clear it. about that, um, but just in a different way. It just It's the mechanism in your body's different, but it's, it's a small category, you know, certainly if you huh. start to look towards the THC side of things. That is a very small category because it's a kind of a gray area of is that legal? I was going to say intoxicant, and... two intoxicants. Sure, um, but no, I think I think NA is is very popular. Huh. Um, one thing that people should understand about non-alcoholic beer 
is it non-alcoholic beer? So a lot of people have asked, hey, Nate, are you guys going to make one? Well, it's called we're, water. We're very small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> without getting into like my personal feelings about NA, we're very small. NA nowadays is being brewed as a full, let's just say it's a non-alcoholic IPA. They're making it as a 6% IPA. Then they use a process to remove the alcohol. Then that product needs to be pasteurized because as soon as the alcohol is pulled out of the product, it becomes food. It becomes something that is susceptible to, to bacteria, all kinds of things. So they have to pasteurize it, and then you buy it as a pasteurized product with no alcohol or below what they say I think is – Point zero five or something, or, oh, or is it 0.05? something like that? There's mm-hmm. a legal limit of what uh, non-alcoholic beer is. So, those are the trends. Um, you know, overall, um, beer's doing okay. Um, you know, it's. I, I would say there's some things happening. You know that that might be pushing people away, a little bit away from beer, whether it's non-alcoholic or craft cocktails or mm. mocktails even are a big sure. thing nowadays. So, yeah, man, we'll see. Bevel's doing great. We, we we love what we do. We love making beer. We're a community joint. We're, we're all about supporting the local community here in Bend. And, um, yeah, I, I love going to work every day. And I'll say this, that uh, for those that, you know, some of you already know this if you follow along with my stories, uh, Bevel is, is uh, obviously Bend, I think, has a, a very unique culture to it. Bevel makes your various beer, beers, you have them on tap, and then when you go outside onto the patio in which you help you oversee and you uh, manage, you actually have four other food carts that are contracted yeah. and are leasing to be out there. And, and I, to me, that was very unique because in Wisconsin, you go to a, either a, a bar and or restaurant. Most of your bars were will serve like pizzas yeah, and yeah, or yeah. some bar, bar food, food yeah. maybe. Yeah. Or you go to a full blown restaurant that happens to also then serve alcohol. When you're in this region at least, and I know there's other pockets around the country, it's just a very different atmosphere in that you go often just like we did to the yacht, whatever the Midtown, Midtown yacht, yacht, Club. yacht Club, which is not at all like a yacht club. <laughs> uh, you you go there, but they essentially, they serve alcohol and they have a tap room and then have a bunch of other beers, some on tap, some are other local establishments and breweries. And then it's this entire food cart pod, as they call it, where there's two or four or six other uh, food, truck, food trucks that are out there. So it's just, it's it's a totally different culture if you're not from here. Yeah. And don't experience this. The the culture of all of going out in Wisconsin, for instance, is just vastly different than what it is when you're here. And and I'm saying all this in case you didn't know, but I'm also saying it as a as like a, a challenge to explore and just see how different it really is. Because to go to a a uh I, I guess what would you call like Midtown Yacht Club? It's like, a food truck pod. Yeah, to go to that and know that there's really one, usually one place that's serving the beverages, but everybody else is serving the food. The food, yeah. It's just, uh, it, it provides a ton of variety. Yeah. yeah and no it's doubt. really unique, though. Yeah, and it's it's fun in the sense that you can go to one place, and we let's move off this topic eventually, but because, <laughs> again, we could talk literally all night about this. Um, it's, it's really nice from the sense that you can go with, say, let's just say it's two couples. 
a husband and wife, two couples, whatever it is. Four people can have four different kinds of food. Yeah, entirely. Hey, maybe I'm feeling a burger. You go get the burger. There's a Mexican uh, uh, Spanish food truck over here. Uh, maybe I'm going to go get some tacos. Or pizzas. Or, and then there's a the pizza joint. Yep. And actually at Midtown, there, there was a sushi joint. So yeah. there's all kinds of things you can do. And a lot of the food truck pods do have cider. Some of them have hard alcohol. They have beer, of course, and uh, and wine. So we're trying to provide an experience for everybody. Yeah. Bevel just happens to be a food truck pod that is at a brewery. Some of them are just at tap houses, effectively. Yeah. So it's just it's really unique, and I know I try to share a ton of my experiences when I've been here throughout the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, I've I've learned you know these different places, and then some that are your favorites. And then uh, last point is you guys actually had a collaboration with Deschutes. And I say that because, as I've come to learn in the last few years, most of the world that cares about craft beer and drinking, uh, you know, having having these experiences, Deschutes is essentially a worldwide brand. Oh, yeah. Well, they're the largest brewery in the state of Oregon. And so, therefore, which meant nothing to me five years ago, and they have about one beverage I really like. That's besides the point. But it's a recognizable brand to most, and yeah. I think that's kind of my point. And because of the season that it's in, you guys had a really unique experience where, as you would explain, right? Go, well, you go ahead and explain it. I well, know what we, it is. We, again, <laughs> I could talk about this stuff all day. We brewed – normal collaborations are two brewers or a group of brewers coming together and brewing a beer at usually a host brewery. So you pick one of the two, you brew it there, you release it. It's kind of a marketing thing. But it's a lot of fun for the brewers. What we decided to do with the shoots this year was during the fresh hop season, we both brewed beers at our own breweries. We brought fresh hops in in a single day. And if you don't know what fresh hops are, they're hops that are an ingredient in beer. But as they're being harvested, whether it's in Oregon or Washington, we go get them from the source pre-being dried. So we have them wet. And you have to use them in 24 hours. So those hops came into town. Deschutes used them on the cold side of a beer that was already fermenting. We brewed them and used them on the hot side on an actual brew day. And then we released those beers together side by side. So it was a pretty cool project. Deschutes is amazing. They've been great to Bevel. They're super supportive of us here in this town. They are from Bend, but they are the largest brewery in the state of Oregon. So, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Hopposite. Hopposite direction. Exactly. So <laughs> I do give all breweries so much credit, and your wife included, along with you and others, so much credit in terms of all the uh, clever plays on words and names. And now to our next sponsor. This is Terry's favorite. One, well, one of them. I love Founders. Founders, I know, has supported Gatekeeper, and I've yet to get this official hookup, but Founders is based out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yep. And uh, many of you know that I enjoy the uh, – I always enjoyed the Dirty Bastard until I found Backwoods Bastard, which is just really the uh, barrel-age version of Dirty Bastard. And then they have now have French Toast Bastard, which <laughs> – we ain't effing around. Uh, this, this is also some good stuff. Um, yeah, I can get down with this. 
And I, I often, if I find unique items, I like to bring them, even though Nate is a professional brewer that owns his own brewery. It's fun to sometimes still bring We still these, drink beers. Yeah, of, other of, of all kinds. So, And just last point, I don't seek out. It, it, it's only by chance, or I guess not chance, it, it's only a coincidence that the beverages that I do enjoy the most happen to be 12, 11, 12, 15%. Like, I don't go scouring around. Uh, I don't go scouring around the stores and be like, what What has the highest content? It just happens to be the, the ones I do enjoy also are the most potent. Boy, and that's that, largely due to the barrel aged processing, this right? This one tastes like French toast. It, it, it's hard to imagine barrel aging a beer that's 5%. It just doesn't make any sense. You're putting it in a hard alcohol barrel. Yeah. You need big, bold flavors to stand up to the big boldness of hard alcohol, of whiskey, you know, in a lot of in a lot of ways. But I will other breweries are using tequila barrels, red wine, white wine or not white wine. Whiskey. Uh, red wine barrel, whiskey, bourbon, um, all kinds of stuff. So yeah. All right. Well, cheers. That that will That's end our beer, beer side talk. Of things. That's the yeah. beer segment of of uh, of our. I'm after always show. down for a good beer conversation. Yeah, I feel like that should be an entirely separate. How many different beer exclusive podcasts are there? Thousands. Oh God, there's got to be thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's. Is there any Johnny, that you listen to? There's a Johnny V and Terry of. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Of beer. Um, <laughs> they just go on I, and on and I get shit faced. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> they um, should have me as a guest. Um. Boy, guys, there's a million and a half podcasts out there. There's a few exactly. ones where guys just get drunk. Uh, Imagine that. Even Joe Rogan and his friends just get That's drunk. That's true. Um, and he's the number one podcast in the world. Yes, there is. A lot of times I end up listening to some podcasts that have some really unique guests, like uh, like a, a head brewer of another brewery, okay. where they're talking specifically about maybe IPAs or barrel-aged beers. You know, something like that. Or, you know, a, somebody influential in the industry is being interviewed. I, I like to listen to okay. those. Yeah. Uh, let's flip. Let's let's go with another topic all three of us are familiar with, but uh, put you on the hot seat. What's been the wildest thing you've experienced so far in the short eight or nine weeks since your son Luca has been here? <laughs> what, what do you what has been the wildest uh, part of it so far? Well, if. If you're if you are a parent of a child, um, duh, uh, delivery is it, it truly is amazing. It's amazing what you know the human body is is uh, capable of doing, and that that a human being is that that's how human beings are born, and that's how we've all come about, and it 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 literally. It's wild. It, no, no, no. But I, you, you drive down the street and you think, you know, there's all these people, and you think <laughs> that came out of somebody's. That's how that happened. <laughs> um, yes, uh, it, it, we all came from a mother me, somewhere, didn't we? It's given me a different respect for moms. Yeah, certainly my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got a but, big. You're a big kid. <laughs> I got a big kid. I got a big kid. Now uh, everything went great that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Val and baby were all healthy and happy and everything like that. 
And uh, all that being said, the craziest part is just seeing the daily growth. Yeah, you know definitely. how much he grows, and he's not quite eight weeks yet. Yep, um, Sunday will be Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, so the women's uh, yep. final round will be. He'll be eight weeks old. So you know you can call it two months, but they don't because it's not. <laughs> they're exactly. they're very particular the, for another six to twelve months, and then yeah. then you finally are like, it's yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Thirteen and a half months yeah, or fourteen. Yeah, yeah. No. So um, <laughs> yeah, feeding is is just crazy. He's he's like going crazy right now just wanting to eat all the time it puts a lot of stress on val um and and me um but but more so val you know and and val and i are just the type of people that want to be the best parents that we can be and kind of figure everything out but i there's no figuring it out (laughs) it's just doing your best trying to get in tune with with him and feeling like where he's at, is he uncomfortable? Is he hungry? Is he tired? Is he just frustrated because he is tired? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, it's amazing, man. I, it, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad I waited this long. Am I? Could I have seen? Could it have happened earlier? Sure. But Val and I are just in a great place right now in our lives where we we can be very committed to him. And be committed to this process and and are you know being a part of it. So yeah, I mean, and, and which is awesome to hear. I think back, you know, rewind two years. You're in the midst of opening Bevel, you know, and and you guys haven't been established. You rewind haven't ex- five years. Four, okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> haven't expanded the long though, opening. Uh, you know, two three years, <laughs> three four years ago, but haven't fully expanded the way you have. Haven't gotten everything uh, as as. Uh, dialed in. dialed in as you are right now I, and then again you would b- learn to make do everybody makes these adjustments yeah but yes to to know that uh there's so much there's so much that's going on and that you guys are in the right place for it steve brinster and and leslie brinster the the brinster family they did um get luca his pdga number yes so yes. that was pretty cool it was it was something that kind of like slipped my mind and then avery asked me and I said, no, I, I haven't got it yet. And then, boom, like the next day, <laughs> it, they sent us a picture of, of his uh, name on the PDGA website. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, it's usually a role I love to play. And then I just, for almost exactly as you're saying, I had assumed like that was taken care yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. kind of funny when, when you think about, you know, obviously where we all come from and, and then our, our relationships. Uh, yeah, make, makes perfect sense. Yeah, and then and then you know uh, I had a funny conversation with Val earlier. Johnny, you and I can both attest to this. We've had we've both had two. You have one. As I was talking with Val earlier, just think of think of all you incredible people that have like four or five oh, or yeah. whatever, and like, like that are like functional. My aunt, yeah, my aunt had five. five. My aunt had five kids. <laughs> all she wanted was a girl. She got five boys. Ah. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Just uh, Jason, Marvin, yeah. Leon, Danny, yeah. Timmy. <laughs> like, just uh, all she Ricky wanted was Bobby, a girl. Yeah. <laughs> she just kept. Uh, she was like, "I'm done after five. Those kids are just—they destroyed the house. Like, just uh, and they were all. They fair, were I'd all rather within have five boys than five girls. <laughs> yeah, they were all within like <laughs> two years of each other. It was just constant, you know. But wow, yeah, it's so, uh, wow. Yep. Nonetheless, you're uh, you're on your way. Two I'm months on my in, way. I'm on my way, man. Two months in, yeah. And and I will say, and I think everybody already assumes this. 
uh, Val is a tremendous mother and she's been amazing. You know, it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot. Uh, what the, the, the experience of the mom and the dad are so different, mm-hmm. you know, but you both look at your child and, you know, you're just in love with them, but it's, it's just a different experience for, for both. And we're both doing great. <laughs> There's moments of exhaustion. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll leave this podcast and go to bed. My bed's only like <laughs> 20 feet away from here. And, uh, and I'll wake up an hour from now and help feed them and change a diaper. And, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. The, I haven't slept for things. more than three hours at a time in eight weeks. Ah, there you go. That, that, yeah. sound, that sounds like uh, fresh dad talk. Yeah. And you're not even, oh, you're not even to the point where like you're having like big, like <laughs> diaper blowouts and like, like not yet. No. Not yet. Oh, just wait. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> like when they get to be, when, when they're like, you know, a couple months old, like six to nine months and you're driving, like they're in their car seat. And suddenly you get like, all bundled up, and you're like, "What's?" Oh. And you look back, and like you you literally take them up, and you see it on the back of their neck, and you're like, "Wow, kid, how did Whoa. you do that?" Like, like, yeah, like how did you manage that? Like, and then you just you just Damn. you just throw away outfits. It's great. Like, there's yeah, yeah. you just throw away clothes. Yeah, yeah. it's you get I, to that point. Sometimes. I literally recall driving from up north, uh, driving down and. Terry and some of the locals at 43 through Sheboygan and doing that. And we pulled off in the middle of a snowstorm and we had a hatchback and we just opened it up and we were like, Oh my God. And we just took the whole outfit and just <laughs> tossed it in the trash, <laughs> buttoned it back up, put him back in his seat and drove the rest of the way home. You just, wow. Uh, it's just, yeah, there's, there's nightmares. Yeah. Coming. I mean, he's already, he's already yeah. going through clothes, just getting big. Yeah. Oh yeah, they'll outgrow yeah. them so fast. In the so last fast. eleven days, he's he's gained twenty ounces. Yep. Have you been peed on yet? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Just- uh, I, and it, uh, it was funny because the first time it happened, I was feeding him with a bottle mm-hmm. at like two a.m. and like Val's trying to sleep or whatever, and I'm just trying to feed him, kind of. Mm. coach him back to sleep and I'm, I'm feeding him and he's kind of sitting on my stomach and it just starts to get warm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, I go, Oh, this isn't college. I think he just peed on me. <laughs> yeah. And then of course he's got the big splash. Yeah. 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 Uh, all, all the good stuffs, all the good uh, things going on. Yeah, out there. Life is good. Uh, if awesome. you wanted to possibly, Switch out your disc golf bag to make it a diaper bag. The pure bag is the bag for oh, you. Oh, no, Terry. Go. Pure video. Uh, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, super quick. I just want to announce only earlier today, I did have the, uh, I finally got around to getting out my review slash introduction. I like calling it an introduction uh, because I, I don't know if I'm fully qualified for a review on it. I did use it uh, for an entire tournament weekend in Estonia. But uh, the guys over at Pure, uh, Rainer and Reiner, and uh, the crew uh, offered up the bag. They said I could use it. I didn't have any other uh, obligations or whatever, but I did want to break it down, and that was released on my site. It feels so weird. On uh, your YouTube channel? On my YouTube channel. I just, I clearly, you know, and Johnny's known this forever. My channel isn't focused on like product reviews. I never do a disc release or a disc review uh, to talk about how it flies. That's just not really been my style. And this bag isn't up, meant to be a hundred percent comprehensive, 
you know, breakdown and, and rigidity test or anything crazy. But I'm just kind of giving you uh, some of the basics to it. And I know we've seen a few of our pros use them out there as well. It's just, it's cool that it's, you know, got some recycled materials in it. Uh, it's made right in Tallinn. And I visited Estonia. I try to pronounce Kristen's name right. Like it all ties <laughs> together in some way. So that is out there and on my channel. And I assume if, if you're watching right now, you maybe even already saw it because you're you're hopefully you bleed over <laughs> into the disc golf guy channel in some capacity so um i just wanted to throw it out there and let everybody know that it's out there but it is a very versatile bag like if you saw it you would you could you would consider emptying it from discs and then use it for traveling and use it for a for a like a kid bag it's just the, the compartments and everything else the the way they break it down and the fact that it That's holds cool. a laptop it's That's actually cool. pretty cool so yeah anyway just wanted to throw that out there nice uh, all right. Um, yeah, somebody's asking about Barbasol, good baby soap. I don't know about that, uh, but we we are really thankful. I don't know to what degree Barbasol is on board, but the fact that they're, they're on board at, in any capacity, that they're coming back from last year, I think speaks volumes. The fact that we just saw at Worlds, you know, a a massive six figure contribution that came in from LL Bean. Uh, the fact that we have people like the halal guys and uh, you know the the carts and the stores that they have that are not necessarily even near where most of our our big tournaments are held, I think that uh, speaks volumes about where disc golf is heading, and uh, it's awesome to have them back. I yeah, and I, when you really look at corporate sponsorship of any individual sport, it's people that yes, they see the. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Financial gain potential of the advertising, of connecting themselves with, say, the PGA Tour or the USTA or the WTA, things of that nature. I'm, I'm just, you know, talking individual sports here. Mm -hmm. You could go to team sports with the NFL, and, and which is, you know, a trillion-dollar company. But it's... These companies enjoy that game, and I think that's pretty cool when you think that somebody at Barbasol who has the ability to make that decision is enjoying our game enough to want to support it. L.L. Bean, just the same. Yeah. Halal guys. Of course, all the disc companies that are a part of it. It's just cool how like we've come together, and at least we see the value yeah. in, in putting some effort into it, advertising in – in a way that is not just discraft or innova or some 
manufacturer just giving the money yeah. because that's the endemic, de facto they're already one. part of. Yeah, yeah, and we've seen that forever. Sure. We're always thankful for what they've done, and that's 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 across the board. Because you even think in golf, well, who are the biggest sponsors? Callaway, Titleist. Yeah, they're all the, the but but you also get you know the FedExes of the world. Yeah, so. I am so thankful for any of the sponsors we get, whether it's Barbasol, we had Johnsonville Brats, we had... Yeah, L.L. Bean. Yeah, L.L. Bean. Yeah, all of them that continue to come in. Canna, who's... Yeah, Canna Current Conditions. Not necessarily, you know... (laughs) That's how I think of it, yeah. (laughs) So the board wants to know, what uh, what does your hat say? What do you... you... Oh, this says DJ Mackle is a good buddy of mine. Um, I I decided to wear it tonight just, just to represent... For DJ Mackle, he's a buddy out of California. Mm. He uh, he actually travels with Revolution okay. on their tours, and it's kind of a cool thing because you'll have the band that opens up. Like it's always like three or four bands. They'll kind of play, and then the band that's right before Revolution, who's going to close the show, while they're kind of getting the stage all set up, Mackle will go out and kind of DJ and oh. kind of keep the crowd kind of going and then they'll play their set. So ah, great okay. dude. I just saw him a couple of weeks ago. They played their final show of their tour here in Bend. And he gave me, I had this hat before, but it was just getting dirty and old. And he came and he's like, dude, I got it. You got to have a new hat. <laughs> nice. So he gave it to me. And uh, if, if you haven't uh, heard of DJ Mackle, well, now you have. Okay. DJ Mackle. And, and as you were just alluding to, for anyone that is a fan of Revolution, not only does Wes, who play, he plays a ton. He oh, was, yeah. He was at. Sponsored by Innova. Yep. And it was at the. Throws uh, minis out after their shows. Yeah. And also was at the uh, celebrity thing yeah, yeah. at Ben's house yep. for both years. So you may have seen or recognize him. Uh, Wes is also a very good friend of you and oh, Val. Yeah. I'm, I'm honored to say I, I know him largely through these guys, but I've then spent time with him. Uh, but, yeah, Revolution and Wes. Now, does the whole band go out and play, or is it largely him? Well, Wes is, like, the avid player, but okay. he'll he'll get a lot of the guys on tour, like, when they're playing on tour, some of the other bands that are on tour with them, uh, some of the other band members. I mean, we've played – I've played disc golf with – Wes, of course, and Eric, the lead singer, mm. um, a couple of different times. So, okay, yeah, yeah, they're they're dude, they're great people. Their music's amazing. I've always been a fan of their music. Wes and I were always kind of parallel to each other, and then one time we got introduced to each other like ten years ago, and we've been friends ever since. So, and you would think that I might be able to skirt in there and steal that friendship because him and I have a barrel-aged affection like no, yes, no. like he loves him and this. I line up you're yeah. you're the you're the hoppy outsider yeah 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 the IPA outsider oh I'm a big outsider yeah <laughs> and me and him <laughs> no but uh yes we love Wes and uh he often leaves behind and and or shares beverages that uh, are a little more my speed as well which is awesome oh, yeah. does he does he dislike uh, IPAs and Not hoppy stuff. Oh, oh, okay. He loves IPAs. Okay, so he he's like you. He'll get into anything. Oh, he'll get into. And anything. I'm j- I'm just a little uh, little specific whiny bitch, and, <laughs> and only go with the double barrel aged IP or a double barrel aged. You said uh, it, not me, T Dog. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> Anything else I got about one more in? No, I, I was just going to say Dust is out there. Hello, Dust. Hope you're doing well. Uh, looking forward to working with you. Uh, Dust uh, Moray, Dustin Moray, will be working the Tournament Central uh, this weekend, I believe. Oh, nice. Uh, so g- good luck to you out there, Dustin. With 
with Brian. Brian, Brian. I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because Brian's doing on course this weekend. Yes, so uh, good luck to you, Dust. Johnny, you got anything else before uh, before both of us cut off? I just got more registrations. Got oh, more they're rolling in, Terry. Up. They're oh, rolling they're in. They are. Roll that Zuka replay, Yeah, Terry. we are. They're going to just keep <laughs> on rolling in. Uh, again, I've, I've literally hit already the number I was hoping as a bare minimum uh, for people to show up. So, uh, well, you and have I think one keep refund coming. request as well. Ah, shoot. <laughs> I didn't see here. that. Nope. He's out of nope. here. Sorry. <laughs> no, no refunds after 10 p.m. the <laughs> oh, night before. <laughs> no refunds after two beers. That's, that's the, that should be the new rule. Oh, boy. All right, Johnny, do you, uh, do you want to do double giveaways next week when I'm Yeah, we'll back? do double giveaways yeah. next week. Okay. Uh, you got anything else that we need to know, Johnny? I don't think You're so. not working this weekend. I am not, not working, working this weekend. I, my, my next event is USDGC. That'll be my last of the season. Okay. Um, Are you doing the throw pink side or the USDGC side? I'm not 100. I'm scheduled for the USDGC side, but last for Worlds because our other director is a West Coaster. He asked that I take the morning because otherwise he's got to get up mm. at like four and three or four in the morning. So I'm expecting a phone call at some point. <laughs> I know Terry, okay. so rough that, that he's going to ask it if is. I can do throw pink. He loves to cover. He loves to do FPO. It's his, he, he enjoys it quite a bit. He likes watching the competitors. He's very much into FPO field, but he's also very much into a sleep. So <laughs> it's, well, nobody yeah. likes getting up at nobody does it makes with, it a little bit tougher with, so. i'll throw this out to you johnny because you are what is considered the director yep right you're the, you're the one picking the cameras you're you're effectively live editing the show mm-hmm. has it become more difficult or easier the more cameras that we add like how does that and then when you add in all the replay like how does how does your just you know, in your opinion, like how's that it's, all working out? It's I think it's easier now than it was two years ago, and that's because of the number of people. It's it's way more complicated because we have so many other people, and we have, as I kind of say, two and a half replay people. We've got, I'm sorry, one and a half replay people. In that you've got like the regular and two and a half depending on the event. Like for these worlds, USDGC. Any event where they have a a, a dedicated um, like feature hole broadcast, that also doubles as a replay for us. So all those shots that they're oh. seeing, they'll see them a couple minutes. So like you may have Gary working that broadcast. He'll chime in in, in, in Mo's ear, who's who's the producer, and say, "Hey, I've got a really great shot from Kristen Sitar, even though she's probably on feature card, but we'll just say from Paige Shoe on hole seventeen, she just drained a fifty footer, whatever." And and so Mo's and Mo will decide then. Okay, do I want to show that? Can I tie that into a story somehow? Like, oh yeah, Paige Shu won worlds at this event, whatever. Um, and then okay. we've got your our regular replay guy. We'll just say Marky, who's been doing it a lot. And then you've got Mo as well, who's doing replay on the director PC. He kind of does a lot of the instant replays, and they we were all work together. But because we have so many people now, it's actually a little bit easier than it was even two to three years ago when, when, you know, we had one guy who was trying to do replays and graphics and audio and like it, there's right. My, my control deck has kind of slimmed down a little bit. It's just now we have so many more like, Oh, which stinger am I going to use? 
which, you know, uh, gotcha. you know, is it going to be the replay stinger? Is it the Zucker stinger? Is it just the, like the Paul Macbeth shadow stinger? Is it, and each, we have a different right. one for each thing. So it's more just remembering what are we going to, what do I need to do to go there? Um, but with all the cameras, honestly, I, I rarely take, you know, we've got seven cameras. I, I, my job is primarily focused on the lead card. Unless something crazy, like if, if someone's going off on the chase card. Like Matty O's going Like Matty off. O, where then that kind of becomes your primary card. Like, and then, right. and then you so let the replay guy. That. Yeah, you let the replay guy take care of the lead, the quote unquote lead card then. And you're focused more on that, that chase card. But it's, it's honestly become a little bit easier, I feel. Um, nice. But it, we're getting to the point where I don't know how many more cameras we can have. A lot of people, it's really funny because you, you see on, the internets, people say, oh, God, I want to see more shots. I want to see more shots. All I keep thinking is for you guys, for us, how do we show more shots? Because th- at this point, we're getting, to a, we're getting to a point where we're almost saturated with the number of shots and commercials and storylines that we can show. Where do, do we yeah. really need to see more? Like, it's always cool to see, like, a 90-foot throw-in. Okay, great. And you might get that on the fifth card. On, on a hole that's not a feature hole, would we show it? Of course. But I just think like what, the what, stories are on the top three cards always. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Now you, let, let's just say the top three cards are 12 people, right? Cause they're, they're in foursomes. So if you think about golf, everybody's like, Whoa, God, they cover so many groups. They're playing in twosomes. So that's actually six cards. Yeah. So, now, and that's every 20 minutes or every 15 minutes or 10 minutes, whatever the tee times are, now that's an hour. You very rarely in golf see outside an hour unless it's a big putt because they have static cameras on all the greens. Yep. You're, you're very rarely, unless somebody is a huge factor from, say, the 10th card, which now is only 20 people Yeah, because it's only two people. So that's the one thing that people got to remember. We are still seeing a ton of shots, like a ton. And and first round and a weird round where we have a bunch of people stacked up, we're seeing third card shots. Yeah. And now that we got featured card stuff, we're seeing that too. So I do agree with you, Johnny, in the sense that at the end of the day, our job as the live team is to cover the story of the person who is going to win the tournament. That's ultimately that's the the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but this guy in seventieth to... place has got four birdies in a row. Why isn't there a camera on him? We we you know what? And we mention all that. If somebody goes off, if if somebody say Matty O is on the tenth card, like playing like crap, but he birdied the last seven out of the last eight, we would have showed his card. Yeah, we would have shown them finishing but it's up. Not 18. realistic to go. Yeah, yeah even exactly. in professional golf, they're not running cameras across the course to cover groups that aren't involved in winning the tournament. Yeah, and and I get, no, I so, know, and that, I get everybody wanting cameras on every hole so we don't miss any awesome shots. You know, the fact that we didn't get to see the Nico Ace or whatever. You know, it's like, all right, that sucks. That it sucks. sucks. It does, and maybe there's cell phone footage that someone can upload, and then we get it and we show it. I understand all of that. All I think is that from a director perspective, it's for every hole you add, you have almost have to add another replay person. 
And so then you've got someone that's monitoring. Cool. We've got Mo, who basically does replay, we'll just say, on the lead card. Marky, who does replay on the chase card. And then sometimes we'll, they'll mix up when we have a roaming camera. Who does the replay on that? Gary's right. doing replay on the feature holes. If you add another card, you know, there's only so many cameras you can watch as a person. You guys know that from just watching the all. Sometimes you guys have the multi-view. Sometimes you just have program. Whatever you're getting, like, there's only so much you can physically be forced to watch without missing things. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's easier and it's getting more complex. But it's great now. We've got, we've got, we got an audio guy. In, in the morning, he turns on. We turn on all the cameras. We've got like one guy who stands in front of uh, the cameras with a with a phone like this and just puts it in front of the audio. And we we watch our levels, and he he levels out every camera. This one's a little low. This one's a little high. Every single cool. morning, they they call it facts. I don't know what it stands for, but they do that every morning. It, I had to do it for the first time at um at worlds. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. I've never done this. So they're just like, I just boot up the cameras and let me hear the cameras. Check I'm like, okay. Facts. Yeah. Just and so we, we, he's, he does that. He does. He picks the music. He picks everything audio related. If, if the crowd goes nuts on a shot, he pulls down manually, pulls down the audio on that. Um, it's, you know, we've got a graphics guy who will just pull up any graphic and have it ready. Mo might tell somebody, like you say, you guys mention, Oh, you know, Matty O is on a tear. He's got five in a row. And right away, Mo will be like, let's get that guy's card ready so we can hit him for the next birdie. When it comes up, we can show it and then to follow up on that particular thing. You know, we've got we've got a drone. Yeah. We've got a guy who just does not a, a guy. There's a bunch of guys who do drone now. I think there's three or f- maybe three of them. I'm not sure exactly who yeah, they're at whole- least like pilots. Yeah, yeah, drone pilots. And they just they, you know, they sit around and they they get the drone up in the air. They bring it to where it's got to go. They fly it around. Sometimes they take live shots. A lot of times you just use it for scenics. And then when the battery runs low, he flies it back, swaps it out, flies it there. And they just have these constant, you know, batteries being charged and drone stuff going on. And it's, it's, it's really nutty how far it's come. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with it. It's, I mean, Terry knows more than anything being on the ground, all the work that those guys put in. It's yeah, it's crazy. It, uh, I think back to uh, I think back to a few weeks ago. Somebody said something about well, the DGPT's got to be thinking about like uh, cameras on every hole, right? And I just very quickly, and I'm not yeah. going to go through it all, but very quickly did the high level math yeah. of like adding a cameraman at the tee, a cameraman at the pin, plus like you said, an extra replay operator. Then you that's not even assuming you have a reax person. Then you're, you know, so you're probably talking about actually three cameras on every hole minimum, uh assuming that they can follow the hole and it's whether it's par 3 or par 4, then you're like I said, then you're talking about control rooms, you're talking about the cameras. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars every weekend being added to the cost all to sometimes never even show uh, a particular shot and or shots from any given hole, and I'm not saying it's never been thought about it or we'll never get there. But as you we're all kind of alluding to, like we're continuing to build. Things are not perfect. Nobody will claim that they are, but they're continuing, of course, to get better and to uh, enhance week after week. So it's, it's it's insane. But to think about the numbers and the cost to have people covering literally every hole. Whether they're just static and there's mm-hmm. there's you know fifty four people on the course just covering one each of you know three sets covering each hole, 
like the cost of that because somebody said yeah they should just get extra people out there for worlds or whatever it was <laughs> and i was like you have they do. no idea. <laughs> we do. We did. Well, we I know did we did. I know, and that's what <laughs> yeah. my point. But we did. It's, but you have no idea when you're talking about adding three to four people for literally every single hole between cameras and then producers, mm-hmm. and then like you said, there's not sometimes even enough hours in the day to show the footage. Even if you did get a, a park job from the guy in 87th place, might just have to be a park job that goes down as just that and never gets shown to the world it'll be on you disc so anyway i mean and there's i was gonna say there's there's a fine line to how you want to progress do you want to debut something and i'm 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 gonna eat it from some of the people probably listening and have it be mediocre like would you put one camera a catch cam on every hole and not a throw cam then is 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 that something you'd want or would you want a throw cam on every hole and not a catch cam where is the more exciting or do you have to debut if like cool we're not going to do that we're going to put because the the thought is hey let's put these little ptz cameras on every basket you know imagine not having a number plate and just having a a little cage with a ptz camera in it that'd be cool and all but i mean at some point you 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 have to some degree yeah yeah then you need someone to control the ptz because the camera obviously you've got 360 degrees you need to go around and protect the camera because you know some guy's going to throw and hit the camera you know, so you got to have some sort of cage around it. And if you've got a cage around it, um, you you might have bars in your way to, of your camera stuff. Uh, it's yeah, and so, then that's going to ricochet the wrong way, and then we're just going to blame you know blame, blame the, the roll ca- away on the a, fact a, that there was a camera that, on top. That there was a camera this on top. Should be all about the play and not about the media. Yeah, we could go I, on and on. I, hours, exactly. So. so there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, and and uh, Justin Ramsey on the board was asking about things like you know technical glitches and audio glitches. And a lot of that is like at Maple Hill cell signal. We saw that with Brian Earhart for between one and two, when he would try to do an interview and it cut out a few times that could be cell signal. That could just be the equipment being cables. It's the end of the season and all that stuff is starting to break down. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're literally running out of XLR cables where they need to order more and whatnot because they've just burned through so many of them. And you, you kind of don't want to like put a big purchase in now you want to wait till the off season, so you're trying to maybe get by on equipment that you would in normally replace. But it's it's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot that goes on, yeah. man. I I loved if you watch to the very end of Worlds, like the very very end, they did a uh, it was like maybe a three or four minute highlight reel of just the guys on the ground, and yeah. A little uh, behind the scenes, a little of, behind of the, the scenes media thing crew of the media crew and yeah, all the work, great. all the work that they do. And it's, it's, you know, I, I cannot give them props enough to think of where this has come from when, you know, when we hired two or three Yahoo friends of ours to go cover DDO and walk around. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it's been a long time coming and I'm going to yep. start to wrap it up. Aaron yep, Smith says, tell Nate, I'm a huge fan and really miss watching him play. He should be the fourth in the Climo Schultz Schuestrick match at USDGC. Well, do they know who the fourth is? I bet you it's Barry. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, well, it'd Barry's? be Climo Schultz Schuestrick. Oh yeah, yeah. So I bet Who's you Schultz. The fourth? Oh, Schultz. oh Schultz. Oh Schultz. Schultz. Oh, <laughs> uh, I I don't know off the top of my head. Oh, okay, but I was thinking well, Fel- is Felberg it like maybe a Sexton or a Felberg. <sighs> 
La Castro? Uh, yeah, is it a current versus? Or is uh, it just the guys that aren't playing? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just. Or thinking. are those guys playing? Is like Barry gonna Climo's play? not. Schultz no. has been injured most for the last few huh. months and is working his way back out of it. That'd be I'm not cool sure. to see though. That'd be cool I'm to not see. sure. Somebody do some research and post it to the internet's. All right, <laughs> we're gonna close it out. Somebody's got baby feeding to do. <laughs> I'm talking about him feeding me. Well, thanks weird. again, guys. <laughs> really, seriously, appreciate everything you do, Johnny. You, Terry, of course, I get to see you uh, in person plenty. And, uh, <laughs> More than you bargained for. Eh, 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 I like when you come. All right. Time. Well, but, we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, good luck with the rest of the season, and we'll, we'll see you when we see you. All right, guys. That has been Smashbox TV Podcast 472. And I uh, want to thank the 113 people. Still watching. That are still with <laughs> still us. Still here, yeah. That, that's, uh, uh, that's a normal night for us. Yeah. So. Sorry and for the, the off the, night. The thousands we could that win will, at least two to three more No, hours. no, no, no. And the thousands that have downloaded and uh, have come along for the ride. We appreciate <laughs> all of you guys. We'll have extra giveaways next week for our Patreon giveaways. Thank you guys so much uh, for supporting us in any capacity. For Johnny V, three-time world champ, Nate Doss, I'm the Disc Golf Guy. And we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you this weekend for the U.S. Women's. I know you'll be tuned tuned in. We'll see you then when you step inside the Smashbox.